This is Animals Voice podcast presented by the Ontario SPCA with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I want to welcome everybody to Animals Voice podcast. This is season two, episode number four. My name is Kevin McKenzie, and I'm your host. And I'd like to start today by welcoming you. It's Dr. Sheila Robertson who's with us. She's from the American Veterinary Medical Association. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. No, we appreciate having you here. Um, your topic is one that fascinates me, so I'm looking forward to this discussion quite a bit. Uh, before we, we get into the, uh, the, the meat of the, the topic, I want to hear a little bit about your background. Uh, how long have you been involved in animal welfare? So animal welfare specifically as my full-time job has been for the last two years, um, or maybe like a year and a half since I moved to the um, American Veterinary Medical Association. I'm currently an assistant director in a division which is dedicated to animal welfare. Before that, um, I've been a veterinarian for 32 years. Uh, I've always been very, very interested in obviously helping animals, but very focused on pain and relieving pain in animals. And so I became um, specialized in anesthesia and pain management for, for animals. I'm wondering if you can explain to our listeners, what's the current model for assessing pain in animals? Well, the good news is that we've come a long way from when I first graduated where we just assumed that you did surgery on animals and that they would be painful. And certainly, you know, a lot of animals went untreated. Uh, the model now is that animals experience pain just as humans do but what we weren't good at until recently was actually recognizing that pain but now the model is that we are teaching um, the next generation of of veterinarians to recognize pain Um, the other good thing is that we have a lot more drugs available now to actually treat their pain but we still need to recognize it and be able to assess it to the layman listening at home why is it important to develop new pain assessment tools? Well, we like, what, like what was wrong with the way that we were doing it 20 and 30 years ago versus today? So historically, a lot of people said, well, yeah, animals might feel pain, but it can't be the same as people. Um, that there just weren't, you know, they just, it didn't matter as much in animals. Uh, but we know over the years that animals do have emotions. It's, it's more difficult to you know, actually describe what those are and study them mm-hmm. because animals don't speak to us. Right. But we're beginning to learn you know, what they're saying because um, we are now being able to understand what their you know, behaviors are and what they're saying to us. But um, you know, in, in the past, pain in animals was often dismissed as really? not being something that could possibly be the same as what humans experience. Really? And I think we've been wrong for a long time. Is there a lot of research being done in this area? This, this feels like a very unique area of subject matter expertise. So tell me about this, uh, the umbrella of pain in animals. Is there a lot of work going into this right now? Well, the good news is, yes, there is um, in different species. And so certainly I've been involved in some of the work looking at um, understanding pain in cats and horses. And I've done some work actually in, 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 in iguanas, um, reptiles. Sometimes it's pretty hard to tell you know, what they might be feeling. I, I can't imagine. Um, but I've been working with that. And what we do know is that every species is a little bit different um, and very unique. But yes, there is, there is a lot of work going on. And it's not just for the companion pet animals. It's really important in the area of animal welfare 
overall um, to understand pain um, in, in farm and in agricultural animals like sheep and cattle because we do procedures on the farm mm. that are painful and we do need to address those issues as well um, so we do provide good animal welfare. Can you describe to someone who's listening who has a dog or a cat at home? I mean, those, I think, are the two most common uh, house pets, for lack of a better term. What, how can they tell if their animal's in pain? So, so most of our research and over the years what we've understood is that the best way to understand or, or assess pain is looking at the animal's behavior. And when I say that, the way I split it up is I look at has the behavior changed like my cat used to do this and now it doesn't do this my cat used to be really friendly and want to play with with the other cats and now it doesn't so that's a change in behavior Um, we think of things that cats do on a com on a everyday basis like spend a lot of time grooming and sometimes they'll not groom as much um, because they maybe have arthritis and they can't get into those cat positions that they used to 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 keep themselves clean and, and and looking good So that would be like a decrease in something they used to do. And then the other thing that we look for is a a new behavior. So a very friendly cat becoming unfriendly or perhaps aggressive. And that's because it just doesn't want you to come near it and touch it because it's going to hurt. So we really, it's a change in behavior is usually the key that we're looking for. Okay. Okay. What can a, a pet owner do if they suspect that their pet is in pain? So if they suspect their pet is in pain, then you really do need to go to a veterinarian and have them checked out. It could be sore mouth, bad teeth, really common in dogs and cats. It could be arthritis, really common in dogs and cats. Um, So the owner is probably the best person of knowing that something's wrong. They might not know what is wrong, but they know something's wrong. And then by describing, you know, the change in behavior and what the cat no longer does or new behaviors, then the veterinarian can do a full examination and check out all the common things um, that might be causing pain and rule them in or rule them out. And then, of course, the good news is once you figure out what it is, there's lots of things we can do to help the pet. I find this topic so interesting. I want to go back for a second. You were talking about characteristics and really change in behavior. And you spoke about, uh, you gave examples of a cat or even a dog. I, I'm curious about, you mentioned iguanas. And, and I'm, uh, you, know, you mentioned livestock, so I'm thinking about horses. Can you describe how you would tell differences in behavior of an, I'm thinking of those sorts of animals. And certainly the iguana is the one that's jumping to my mind right now. How can you tell a difference in behavior in an iguana? Well, the, the iguanas are, and I've only been involved in, in one study, and it was quite a challenge, but it made us realize we need to spend a lot more time looking at um, reptiles and, and so on. So the study we were doing was, you know, do they respond to something that's, that's painful? And the key thing is we need to understand that some animals are predators, so they're not afraid to show that they're in pain because it doesn't, um, doesn't come around to, like, hurt them. Now, if you're an animal that is usually preyed upon, like a mouse, um, for example, what they've had to do um, over the years is become very good at hiding their behavior. Because if they show that they're in pain, they're very vulnerable, okay. and so a predator will come and t- eat them. Okay. So animals that are preyed upon are very good at hiding their pain. And what we found with iguanas is that um, in our project, we were looking for pain behaviors. 
and we knew there was something wrong, like we knew something painful had happened to these iguanas, and we would watch them and look at them, and they just sat there and did nothing. And then we'd be a very clever co-investigator said, I wonder if we just left the room but videotaped them, if they would do something. So we set up a video camera, covered up the cage, left the video camera running and left the room, came back and looked at the video footage. As soon as we were out of the room, they started showing pain behaviors. Because really? the predator, which was us, was no longer standing right in front of their cage. So it felt safer and it allowed itself to kind of demonstrate yeah. how it was yeah. feeling. And we have exactly the same information in rabbits. Um, obviously, you know, historically, you know, a field animal that's going to be um, preyed upon. Um, if you stand and watch a rabbit that, that we know has had something painful done to it, they don't do much. If you leave the video camera running and leave the room, shut the door, they start doing things that we, they would not do if we were present. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, where do you want to see research in this field five, seven years from now? Where do you want to take it? I mean, I think what we are looking at doing for every species is having a very easy to use tool that assesses pain for that species and it's going to be validated, it's going to have numbers associated with it. So someone, who, you know, you could quickly explain to someone, I'm going to have you go look at this dog, cat, rabbit, and I'm going to have you look at these specific things and that'll be based on lots and lots of work, like figuring out what these animals do when they are painful. And then that person can go check, 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 add up the numbers and you have a number. And that's really important because so long in the past, it's just someone's opinion right. whether this animal is painful or not. And you know, certainly for you know humane associations, for example, if you're trying to prosecute a case in court, um, you know, just because your opinion is this animal's painful doesn't always hold up. But if you say we used a scientific, validated way, we measured this animal's pain, and this is the score it got, then it's not someone's opinion anymore. It's based on science, fact. And that's going to really help a lot more with um, people really believing um, that we got it right. But there's no there's no cookie cutter methodology you can use. Like it's really specific to that species. Correct. And so, for example, um, th there's a very good validated scale for assessing acute pain. For for example, after surgery or say trauma in in a dog, uh, it's a very very good scale called the Glasgow Composite Pain Scale. That scale took um, four to five years to develop um, with um, three people working on it almost full time. Um, because you have to figure out like, what do they do when they're painful? And then which of these behaviors is important? And then you, you know, make a nice tool and then you have to validate it. Like, you know, are we actually measuring what we think we're measuring and test the tool mm -hmm. and then make sure it's very robust. So yes, it's very labor intensive. Um, for example, the cat um, study I'm working on right now, um, the last um, go around, I sat and analyzed um, 68 hours of video wow. to help. And that's just looking at cats that have had a spay done, huh. trying to see, you know, what it is, what is it that they do um, if they're painful and then do those behaviors disappear if we treat them. Okay. So yeah, it's very labor intensive. What to did get you it find? Right. I've got to hear this. What did you find in 68 hours of footage? <laughs> so 
they, it was done very, very well where all the videotape was all jumbled up and I didn't know if it was a video of a cat before it had surgery, after surgery, after it was given a painkiller so that I wasn't in any way influenced to make a okay. decision. Okay. Um, so what I was, you know, so what we do know is that if a cat has had a spay and it hasn't had adequate um, pain relief, they get very, they adopt this posture that's very hunched up and crouched. Other things we start to notice is that they, instead of having their eyes nice and open and alert, they tend to, we call it the squinty cat. They kind of half shut their eyes and um, they have a kind of like a grimace on their face. How long after the procedure are you seeing that footage though? Because as a, as a layman, I would be looking at that footage thinking that they're just coming out of anesthesia or, or uh, that there's a medical reason that they're looking squinty-eyed or not quite alert yet. Yep, so we have to differentiate. Is it just because they're sedate? So we do it like several hours when we know all the anesthetics have worn off. The other thing that we do is... Um, just to be sure that the person looking at the videos knows what they're doing is they'll throw in a random video that is of a cat that's had anesthesia okay. but did not have surgery. Oh. So then you can tell whether it's just the anesthetic drugs or whether it's the anesthetic plus the pain of the surgery. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, you have to be very careful that we're not just um, assessing you know, sedation, mm-hmm. but it is actually pain. And so there's lots of ways that we do that and that's what makes it so labor intensive to get it right. Okay. What can uh, pet owners do to become more educated on assessing pain in their own pets? So there, there are quite a few educational tools coming out. Um, there have been some campaigns um, just with like photographs of cats and um, cer- certainly, you know, those photographs are, are available. We have like a poster that has a picture of a squinty cat so people recognize that face. There's um, a picture of a cat that's all hunched up and that should alert people that that's not a normal um, posture in a cat. Um, There are some websites that um, anyone can visit, they're public domain. There's one called animalpain.com.br because it's um, from a group in Brazil. It's not in Portuguese, it is in English. And that has lots of video clips of, of cats and you can go in there and test yourself um, whether or not you pick up the ones that are painful okay. and you can test yourself against some experts. If you click on a button, you'll get the expert's opinion oh, nice. on, on that cat. So that's, that's animalpain.com.br. Yeah, correct. Okay. And that's by um, a group in uh, one of the um, vet schools in Brazil. Um, the lady um, heading up that research is Juliana Brondani. She's doing a lot of very good work with cat pain. Okay, excellent. Uh, Dr. Sheila Robertson from the American Veterinary Medical Association. We appreciate this time today and uh, continued uh, success uh, and, and good luck. You're doing very important work. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all of our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice.